You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay, looks like we're live, but we gotta let it breathe. Hold your horses, pump the brakes just for a second, and then we're gonna go zero to 60. We gotta bring on Facebook, get the whole clan together, and then we're getting this party started proper because... It's the Huddle Up Podcast. Welcome in, everybody. Presented as always by Mile High Huddle and powered by over I almost said overtime media. Powered by Blue Wire Pods. Shame on me. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, with me, my fellow football priest, the deputy editor of MileHighHuddle.com, Zach Kelberman. Zach, it turns out God is a Drew Locke fan. How do we know this? He preserved <laughs> the Denver Broncos yeah. quarterback from perhaps what could have been a traffic tragedy. Yeah. Uh, when a lug nut the size of my fist came flying down the, a Kansas highway and landed right in the middle of his windshield, and I'm sure he did one of these, and you know, Highway Patrol showed up. Uh, showed up. I can pull up the images, but it must have been Zach a very shocking moment for Drew, but also comforting to fans to know God's on your side. You know, anyone who's seen Final Destination knows not to drive behind lumber trucks or trucks that are carrying trees or whatever. Now I'm not driving behind trucks that have lug nuts on it. It came within, you know, inches of penetrating his windshield and maybe striking him. They said they're glad that the Highway Patrol, he was wearing a seatbelt. I don't see what a seatbelt would have done if a lug nut came flying at his head, but... I ruffled some feathers with Carl Dumbler on Twitter by saying this. I'm going to double down and kind of jazz Carl some more. Nothing good ever happens in Kansas, Chad. So I think Drew knows that now very well. Except except for good old Carl. Carl's the best thing there is about Kansas. Um, but let me let me just show you guys here. Let me let me close this. In case you missed it earlier, this has been making the rounds all across Broncos social media. But uh, here's what it looked like, if it'll load for us here. Actually, now I'm going to back it up a little. Hold up. Uh, so here's what it looked like. Kansas Highway Patrol. Hopefully they got Drew's permission to share this stuff. I don't know. But uh, it shows the ravages of the bolt, which look how freaking big that thing is. Like, let me blow that up, dude. Like, that's – now, hold on. Let's put it – this is a better one because it shows it in the context of kind of the windshield better. Look how freaking big that lug nut is, dude. Like, that's the size of my skull almost, it looks like anyway. I mean, it's a little bit hard to get specific context here. But as you can see here, Drew's all smiles with the patrolman who stopped off to help him out and whatnot. But yes, indeed. Very dicey situation. Thank God he's okay. I mean, it, you never really know what could happen, Chad. I mean, it goes beyond just the NFL. He's driving along the highway, minding his business, and a big old lug nut comes out his windshield. You have to take, you know, life and not for granted and appreciate every moment. And I'm happy Drew's okay. And hopefully he makes it a training camp and out of Kansas unscathed. Indeed, indeed. Now, other than that, Zach, there's there wasn't a whole lot of specific Broncos news. I mean, after all, we're sitting here a week into July. You know, we're almost halfway through the NFL summer by the end of this week, I think. Yeah, we'll we'll be about halfway. But there were a few little nuggets on the Aaron Rodgers front that have dropped. You had a story earlier today on that topic, Zach. What was uh, what's the latest scuttlebutt? I can bring it up while we while we go through it. Well, I mean, it's as the Aaron turns. Every single day is a new Aaron Rodgers story. And today on Twitter, former Packers vice president uh, and a big contract negotiation wizard Andrew Brandt opined that. Uh, the Packers won't trade him this year in 2021, and Aaron can't trade himself. I'm quoting him word from word. Uh, Aaron won't retire. Some contract accommodation, financial length, or both will be made. But the Packers, this is why I, I wrote the story today. He says the Packers will trade him, however, in 2022. I thought that was interesting. It seems like they maybe want to have one more title run with Aaron in the current roster, and then knowing that maybe the situation is unsalvageable or reparable, they want to look to cut their losses and get a couple first-round picks next offseason. But as I detailed at the bottom of the article, it actually makes more financial sense if they're going to trade him to trade him now because they would clear more cap space and that would offset the uh, dead money they would take on inevitably in a deal. Yeah, the golf tournament thing that he's he's been doing, or it might be in the books. I don't know. I don't follow these things very well. Uh, but, you know, they they got in a few questions on the subject, and he was, of course, very uh, 
lax. He didn't really say anything. We don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Whatever. But, Zach, it seemed to me like this man did not have a care in the world. You know, you look at him out there, and why would you? You got hundreds of million dollars, or at least you've earned hundreds of millions of dollars. You probably got, you know, many tens of millions at least stacked up in the bank and in investments. Like, I probably wouldn't be worried about too much, but you would think that considering the fact that his NFL career is growing increasingly finite, or what's left of it anyway, that there might be a little bit more sense of urgency to try and get this thing worked out. But as Brant says here, you know, he can't trade himself. Aaron won't retire. And as we know, he's not going to opt out. He chose not to opt out. What I don't understand, Zach, is this. If the Packers are, if, if Brant is hearing that they'll, they're, they'll trade him in 2022, why not just trade him now? Pride? Yeah, I mean, for the most part, there's pride from the front office. And also, again, I mean, next year, Devontae Adams is a free agent. And there's rumors that he's going to reunite with Derek Carr, his former college teammate at Fresno State in Las Vegas. So it would seem like uh, Mark Murphy out there in Green Bay and Brian Gutekunst, the GM, they want to preserve what was a, a roster that was a half away or so from reaching the Super Bowl last year if they would have coached better and played better and beaten Tampa Bay. So that's why I think pride goes into it, and they know they have a win-now roster with a win-now coaching staff, and they want to try to maximize that and maybe take advantage of Aaron's last da- you know, last gasp of his prime here. He won MVP at 36 years old. What are the odds he's going to be like Tom Brady and play into his 40s? Fairly low. I think the Packers are betting on him having maybe one more year of truly MVP-level play before a drop-off inevitably happens, and that's why they might be wanting to retain him for this year and, again, cut their losses in the offseason and still maintain some sort of, uh, uh, you know, capital back in return. It doesn't really make sense to me, being honest. I mean, we can try and deduce what the rationale is. If you're planning on or if you're resolved or resigned to trade him at some point, why not just rip that Band-Aid off? Because whatever value he's got, it's never going to be better than it is right now. So that's something to consider. And, guys, we're excited because tonight, of course, it's Wednesday – we got a superstar segment, and we've got the debut on the Huddle Up podcast of the Duchess herself. All right, Michaela is with us. We're going to grab here her and uh, introduce you guys to her in just a minute. On the other side, we got to do some matters of business. But Zach, before we get to matters of business, I want to grab the super chat from Max Power across the pond. Then we'll grab Michaela. And thanks for the super chat support, Max. We do appreciate it. He says, responding to Zach from the last pod. I hope this doesn't offend. Five teams wanted Pat Shermer at offensive coordinator. So after, you know, the Giants fired him. Rich Gangarello oversaw Carson Wentz's regression. Coach of the year equals regular season only. The Minnesota miracle didn't count. Hashtag come correct. Now, Zach, the, I'm trying to think now. The award, now NFL honors, that gets decided right before the Super Bowl. So let me tell you something. It, they might. It's like the MVP award and stuff like that. It very much gets is is based entirely on what happens in the regular season as far as the stats and stuff like that. But let me tell you what helps sway voters in a particular direction as you're inching closer to that moment. Recency bias and what happened recently in that moment in time was the Minnesota miracle. So I wasn't in the room for those conversations when the AP voted him the assistant coach of the year. But take that for what it's worth. Okay, so, I mean, we can argue. I'm not going to give this much attention, Max. We're never going to see eye to eye, and I don't really feel like giving too much of my energy tonight for this topic, but that's the only thing pro Shermer people like yourself have to hang your hat on is that he won assistant coach of the year, coordinator of the year, whatever crap accolade it was. But if we're even having a conversation where you're comparing a first-year coordinator back then in Scangarello and a seasoned coordinator in Pat Shermer who was twice a head coach, and even going back in his Minnesota days before he got the second head coaching job, uh, he was still been around the block in Philadelphia. He's been very well-versed in the NFL and offensive play calling. So if we haven't even have to have that discussion, if it even has to be a debate, that's an L for Pat Shermer. There should have been no doubt about it. He should have been taking what Scangarello did, the foundation he laid, and even with the pandemic, even with the lost reps, even with the injuries, it shouldn't take, and I'll say this again, you can try to counter this if you want, it shouldn't take Pat Shermer until week 15, week 14, to identify his best talent, to call plays that are conducive to his best talent. And if he whittled down his playbook, that should have happened earlier in the season. 
I think the point you're trying to make, Max, and everybody else out there who's pro Shermer and anti Drew Locke is that it was mostly on Drew Locke last year. When I just think that's false. You, there's multiple factors that I, I feel like I'm going crazy. I've said this so many times, and so have you, Chad. There's multiple things that went into, several things that went into the Broncos' offensive ineptitude last year, Drew Locke being one of them and Pat Shermer being one of them. I don't see how that's such a foreign concept or why we at least can't see eye-to-eye on that, Max. I also don't think it's exactly accurate or fair to say that Scangarella presided over the regression of Carson Wentz. He wasn't the quarterback's coach. He wasn't the offensive coordinator. He was an offensive assistant. Was he involved in the quarterbacks? Considering his background and acumen in that department, I'd be stunned if he wasn't somehow involved in that. But the onus was not on Rich Scangarello for Wentz, for whatever it's worth. Doug Peterson is the one who ultimately had to, you know, the head coach, you know, bear the the burden on that and pay the the cost, ultimate cost relative to the NFL. And it is what it is. But uh, the Zach, the implicit. The implication is always in, in when these type of topics come up, as you said, if you really boil it down and drill down to the bottom, it's simply don't blame Pat, blame Drew. And I'm here to say it's kind of like an argument. You meet in the middle of, you know, if there's two sides of the story, you know, you got to kind of find somewhere in that happy balance. You know, the truth's always in the middle. For, thank you so much, Chad, for bringing up that point about Scangarello. So, uh, Max, if you want to knock Scangarello, which is stupid for the reason Chad just pointed out, he wasn't the quarterback's coach and he wasn't Doug Peterson. But we're not going to credit him, though, for Jalen Hurts' progression as a rookie. I mean, that's a first-year quarterback who come in and, and under toxic circumstances, he did, Jalen Hurts last year, what Drew Locke did as a rookie in 2019 when he went 4-1. and He came in and didn't play like a rookie. He came in ready to go in the Eagles attain success or at least under center success with their quarterback. And that seems like the common denominator there is Scangarello. He meshes well and works best with a young quarterback. I don't think we can say the same about Pat Shermer. All right, guys, lots more to get to. And we can circle back to this after we chat with Michaela, but I want to blast through matters of business real quick because we ran long on our opening segment. Follow on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod at Mile High Huddle. Our producer, John K on Twitter, at John K MHH. You know him as Buona Beast. My partner, Zach Kelberman, at Kelberman NFL. Myself, at Chad and Jensen. Make sure you're liking and following the Huddle Up Podcast Facebook page. we got some big plans for that. Also enters you into our random raffles, giving away a shirt, a hat, a mug each and every week. Also, kindly consider becoming a supporter over on Facebook of Mile High Huddle. Just go to our page, facebook.com slash milehighhuddle. Big blue button. Click that. You're in like Flynn. You get access to our premium VIP video and podcast content, which includes Kelberman's Corner, which there will not be a Kelberman's Corner this week, by the way. Uh, The Trickle Zone on Saturday at noon and then Broncos Book Club with yours truly. I'll I'll probably just step in and fill that slot on Sunday, Zach, since since you're going to be on vacay. But guys, that's another way to support what we're doing here and get access to that exclusive content. Also, check out the merch store, huddleuppod.com. Get your swag on. You know the drill. Get a MHH trucker hat. Get a tee, whatever. It's another way to support us. And also, if you can't do those things, it's all good. We're just stoked to have you with us. Be sure to subscribe. Be sure to um, like the video, especially if you're on YouTube or Facebook. And guys, if you think we're doing a good job, Share this video out there and help us continue to grow and reach the Broncos fans just like you who are wandering the desert, ignorant of the community out here, waiting to embrace them. All right, without further ado, let's bring on the Duchess of MHH. We have waited and waited. We've been pining away just on pins and needles. We couldn't wait for this moment. She's finally here. (laughs) Michaela is in the house. Michaela, thank you so much for um, making the time for us. And we have, you know, it's no lie. We've been excited to talk with you. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, first things first, thank you so much for everything that you do for MHH and what you mean to yes. myself and Zach and John and every all the, all the podcasts. And I know I can speak for the community as well in your contributions in keeping the conversation going, whether it's when we're live or if it's on Twitter or whatnot. That just means the world to us. And I hope you know that we really, really appreciate that. Um, but first thing is first, Michaela, how did you become, since this is your debut on the show, such a passionate, dedicated, outgoing Denver Broncos fan? Well, that's kind of a long story. I was actually born and raised in Italy and watched like football, mostly the Giants, you know, Cowboys, but then moved to Germany 
and during the 49ers Broncos uh, Super Bowl, um, I was rooting for the Broncos. And since then, I've been a Broncos fan. Michaela, I have to ask you, because I ask every first-time superstar that's been on the show this, since you've been a Broncos fan, since that fateful Super Bowl that launched your fandom, what has been the memory that you latch on to the most, and what's the memory that you wish you can rid yourself of, if you had to choose? Oh, the the coolest memory uh, was uh, working Cherry Creek in a restaurant, and towards closing time, a bunch of Broncos players show, show up. One of them was Terrell Davis. Wow. And didn't recognize him right away. I was like, he looks funny. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and they actually set him in my section. I was a nervous wreck. And they were so cool. It's like, ah, don't be nervous. Come and sit with us. Was he a good tipper? Yeah, they were good guys. Yeah, I think like uh, was a Watts was there, a couple other players. Very cool, very cool. So well, that was a uh, traumatic Super Bowl first Super Bowl experience because mm-hmm. the Broncos what blown out fifty five ten, and it was mostly ugly from the get go. If I can remember yeah. the flow of that game. So considering that you did live through some of those. Super Bowl depredations of the 80s as, as a Broncos fan. What was it like for you when John Elway finally, you know, uh, defies the odds and hoists the Lombardi trophy? This one's for John after yeah. Super Bowl 32. I just couldn't believe it at that point. It was like before the game, I was like, oh, no, they're going to lose another Super Bowl. <laughs> then when they actually – Towards the end of a game when they were ahead, oh, my God, they might make it. Oh, my God, <laughs> this can be true. Before we get to Stu, Michaela, I have to ask, what's, what has been the memory that's haunting you as a Broncos fan? Because I love morbidity and because I'm a cynical person at heart, I just want to know uh, what's mm. tripping down your memory lane. The most haunting one? was uh, the Super Bowl against uh, the Seahawks. The beginning snap. You barely sit down and it goes down the toilet from the (laughs) get-go. It's a common answer. Indeed. Well, hey, since you are proudly, and by the way, hats off to Zeus McPeak, a fellow Mount Rushmore superstar. Uh, As as Michaela, Zeus in the house. What's up? Zeus! Good to see you, brother. And we need to reconnect and figure out when, Stu, to get you back on the show before the season, dog. So reach out to me. Let's get that hammered out. Um, So taking it back to the fact that you are very proudly – you're very proud – oh, sorry. Hold on one second. Something's playing in the back. Very proudly a Tim Tebow fan. Not counting the overtime crossing route to – or slant, I guess it was, to Demarius Thomas that took it to the house against the Steelers to win that playoff game. What was your favorite Tim Tebow moment while he was a Denver Bronco? I don't know. I don't know if it's a specific moment. It's just like how he always managed to pull a rabbit out of his hat. (laughs) (laughs) He played like crap, excuse my French, but he managed to win. Michaela, how do you think he's going to do in Jacksonville? Is he going to make the team? Is he going to win the starting job? Tell me, as the resident I Tebow. I don't think he'll win the starting job. I think no. he, he – I tied in. He might make, uh, he might make the team because he's in pretty good shape. But. Just add to me. All right. Can I, can I just tell you, my favorite Tim Tebow moment, not counting that Pittsburgh game, is the – run against the Jets in the regular season. And remember, this was back when the oh, Jets yeah. were still a juggernaut, right? They were – or was it, Zach, you, you would know your the Jets' history. This was 11. So wasn't it 08 oh, – or wasn't it 9 and 10 that they made it to the AFC title game in consecutive yes. years? Okay. Yes. So this was the tail end of the Jets <laughs> being a dominant AFC factor, but they were still a feared team. They were still a comp- more than competitive team. But it was the beginning of the end as Mark Sanchez and the butt fumble and all this stuff started to unravel. 
But that game, the Jets came into Denver, and it was a uh, it was either a Sunday or Monday night game. I think it was a Sunday night game, but either way, heavily favored. And just like you said, Michaela, great great verbiage there. Tebow pulled the the rabbit out of his hat. But that run, it was like a twenty yard run that seemed to take like fifteen minutes for him to close the gap, bringing the Broncos back, and of course, you know, another uh, unlikely come from behind victory. That's that to me. Combined with that little uh, mic'd up we got in his, I think it was his first career start as a rookie in 2010 with Eric Studisville as the interim head coach where we got a little mic'd up Tim Tebow and he beat the Texans, he beat Gary Kubiak and the Texans and there's that clip. I don't know if you remember this, Michaela, where he runs over on the goal line, runs over to Studisville and he's like, hey, nobody else, you know, there's only one person that carries the ball but me or whatever. I love that moment as well. Mm-hmm. So, Michaela, okay. we have to we have to ask you. Bring it back to current times. How do you feel about this Broncos outfit of twenty twenty one? What's your what's your take on the quarterback situation? Are you pro lock? Are you anti lock? Where do you fall in that argument? I am pro lock, to be honest, because he has a lot of upsides. As I said many times, you know, uh, no quarterback has been really good from the get go. I mean, it's very rare. Even the great Peyton Manning. I'm not comparing Locke to Peyton Manning. Careful now. <laughs> I am not, but I mean, throughout his first hundred games, he threw like 200 intercept. Uh, five seasons, excuse me, he threw like 200 interceptions. Yeah, he was uh, he was tossing a lot of picks. That's absolutely. Sh- I mean, they don't come out of the box, Zach and Michaela. Very, it's very rarely, right? The Justin Herberts of the world. I mean, think about this. He broke a record that had been pretty long standing, right? A couple of decade old record for the most prolific rookie campaign of a quarterback ever. And unfortunately, the problem is, even though fans, you know, they recognize that they latch on to, well, then why can't my guy do it instead of the outlying rarity of it in mm-hmm. terms of how they set their expectations. But Michaela, we, we don't want to keep you too much longer. I got one more for you on my end. And that is this when, whether it's a rookie, whether it's, you know, a young guy, or if it's a vet or if it's a new free agent, the Broncos signed, who are you really looking forward to seeing play? I mean, obviously everyone, we can't wait till the Broncos take the field again this year. We're all get geeked up about it, but like, who are you really excited to see in 2021, whether it's something to the effect of, you know, are they going to take a year two or year three leap, or we've never seen them in the orange and blue. Who's that, for lack of a better term, that uh, breakout player that you're keeping an eye on? Well, uh, as far as a rookie goes, I'm very excited to see Pat Sertain. And as far as a longtime player, I'm stoked to see uh, Von Miller coming back. Me too. Michaela, I have one more question for you, and I'd like to end this uh, my part of the segment with this question for every superstar. With Drew Lockett quarterback, give us your Broncos record prediction, and if Teddy Bridgewater happens to get the job, give us your Broncos record prediction for this season. With Lock, I say 10-7. and seven. With Bridgewater, I think – uh, nine and eight. It's fair. Because I think it's going to be a couple games where uh, Drew Locke is going to have to pull a win, you know, out of uh, the clutches of defeat. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to have to pull it. a rabbit like Tebow. Yeah. yeah. Hey, he's got, he's pulled his fair share of rabbits in, you know, there's two years with the Denver Broncos, right? He's, he's had a few unlikely victories that people weren't expecting from, you know, that Texans performance as a rookie to the, to beating the Patriots on the road and becoming the youngest quarterback ever to win at Gillette stadium to the come from behind against the chargers. But anyway, Michaela, it's been so much fun getting to talk with you. We would love to do this again. And by the way, Timmy Shields jumping in with a super chat and a message for the Dutchess if I may change. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate you, Timmy. Um, and, uh, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love, love it. it. That's why That's she's awesome. the Dutchess. Always on point. Uh, we'd love to get you back on at some point. And so we'll we'll be in touch on that front, obviously. But thank you so much for making time for us again. Thank you for everything that you do. And uh, we'll be 
looking forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you. Thank you for having me. There, there she goes. <laughs> Let him hate, Michaela. Goes. Let him hate. Let him hate. <laughs> All right. Have a good Appreciate night. Appreciate you. That's Michaela, the Duchess. She's uh, she's great. She's a lot of fun to talk to, whether the camera's on or not. She's a lot of fun to she's talk great. to. And, you know, a cornerstone pillar member of our community. Yes. So much love and respect to Michaela. And Michaela, I see that she X'd out of the uh, the green screen behind the scenes, but she's getting, I hope she sees so much love in the super chat in the comments. You know, uh, great job, Michaela, Dylan says, and Cleet Torres says, great job, Michaela. Kenneth says Michaela is sweet. Uh, Dave Glassman says I have an all new respect for Michaela. So she she really is great, and she I think that's the best word you've you've used to describe her, Chad. A pillar of the community, for sure. All right, let's. Um, we're at twenty five minutes. We're we're making good time. John, if you can, I'm going to grab this super from Dale real quick. But the stream jumped me. I can't go back and grab uh, Sam Bam. If you can grab Sam Bam after Dale. Um, Good to see you, Dale, by the way. The package arrived yesterday. My kids were just, it was a slobber knocker. They did not have any inkling, right? And all of a sudden, PS5. They're like, oh, my gosh. And I'm like, hey, late Christmas present. You know, this isn't a free gift, right? They're like, this counts towards something. It counts towards last Christmas, all right? So, you know, anyway, Dale was instrumental in that. Dale was the reason for that. So thank you, Dale. He says, hey, I was curious what you guys think Kansas City's record in the AFC West will be this year. All right, Zach, get your odd number mathematician ship ready because it's 17 games. Michaela was on point with that, by the way. I was, I like, was going to say, yeah, better a lot than of people I would forget do. that. Exactly. Uh, I won't be surprised, says Dale, to see them go four and four in the AFC West, splitting with the other teams in the division. Shout out to Michaela as well. Uh, well, first of all, Dale, where's my PS5? I assume it's in the mail as well. I mean, let me know. <laughs> hey, hey, for what it's worth, I I did pay for that PS5. I Dale's, will too. Just saying. Dale's the man. <laughs> but I don't want anyone thinking he would like, bequeathed a you know, $600 console <laughs> to MHH. So what, what was curious what you guys think Kansas City's record in the AFC West will be this year to go 4-4. Four and four. So it would still be eight games, though. We don't have to worry too much about the math then, right? Um, I think... Well, you look at it, based, break it down by opponent. I think they have a good chance of sweeping the Chargers. I think they can at least split with the Raiders, even though they split with them last year. And I think they can split with the Broncos. So I'm saying 6-2. and two. I would say more so than 4-4. Four and four. I'm leaning in that direction. Well, um, John just reminded me that it's six games in the division, right? Right, John? So you've got two games against three opponents. So it's, a, it's the number six that we're divvying Is up here. Is Math's just never been my strong suit. I'm sorry <laughs> to say. Um, yeah, I mean, dude, listen, Kansas City's the juggernaut. There's nothing to imply up to this point, any reason to expect a, a cliff of any kind. And I don't think you're going to see that team start showing really any cracks, Zach, so long as Andy Reid continues to be the yeah. head coach. I think once they make that transition, there will be a little blip in the, you know, a little hitch in the giddy up, but it's going to be – barely discernible because Pat Mahomes is a force of nature. It sucks. I hate having to say that, you know, the greatest young quarterback in the league is a Kansas city chief, but that's just the score. So the Broncos, they have to fight fire with fire. Yes. You got to invest and stockpile on defense and they've done that, but that's why you've got to really swing for the fences when it comes to the offense. And that's why the Broncos also Zach are continued, you know, continue to be tied to Aaron Rodgers because even though you hope that Drew Sealing would, if he reaches it, would allow him to to go blow for blow with the Chiefs at some point offensively, Aaron Rodgers day one gives you more than a fighting chance. Like Aaron Rodgers against Patrick Mahomes with their these two teams' respective collections of talent, I mean that would be a true fireworks type of game, you know, marquee matchup twice a year. Well, first of all, Maurice Chan- Chevalier in the comments section, he's absolutely spot on. Math hard, Broncos good. I-, I don't math at all. And one thing about John, he's our resident numbers guy. He is a math whiz. So if he says six, it's definitely six. And I'll amend my prediction to four and two in that instance. I just think Kansas City, and you guys can disagree if you want. You guys can label me whatever you want. I think Mahomes and Reed and the Chiefs are going to be on a war path this year. I mean, they were looking mighty good 
heading into the Super Bowl against Tom Brady, and you wonder what would happen if they had an offensive line. You wonder what would happen if Mahomes wasn't injured. I think the game would have gone a lot differently. Now Mahomes is healthy. The offensive line, I think, is better than it was last year. The defense, as long as it remains competent, they'll be in every game, if not leading every game. So I think Kansas City's in for a really good season, unfortunately, for Denver and the rest of the West. But, hey, still maintain a posture of optimism. I mean, it's been since week two of 2015. I mean, that date, that time, that period is still seared into my mind. The last time the Broncos beat the Chiefs, I think I, I really don't think it's outside the bounds of the plausible to say, hey, you know, this the Broncos could have a fighting chance this year if the stars align to split with the Chiefs. But sweeping the Chiefs, yeah, that, that ain't going to happen. Uh, Sam Bam, good to see you, bro. He popped in. He popped out. He's just showing some love, supporting the cause. He says, yo, Broncos country, I got to dip out early tonight. So enjoy the podcast, everyone. Glad that Drew is okay. Go Broncos. Indeed. And Sam Bam, dude, you have, you have become uh, just very consistent, my friend, very consistent. We got to get you a T-shirt, dude. See, we have a we have a um, it's something we like to do. It's a small thing we can do to say thank you. It's a little tradition here on the podcast to our our consistent, most outgoing super chat superstars that are supporting the show, supporting the channel on YouTube. And that is, hey, sh- shoot us an email, milehighhuddle at gmail.com, Sam. Get us your shipping address, your T-shirt size. We'll get one out the door, buddy. So thank you. I'm still thinking how I can work in this incident to tie in with Locke, something with, you know, bolts, lug nuts, and Drew Locke. I'm still working on that, so I'll get back to you guys. We got Andrew, who is one of our great Facebook superstars. And while we got Andrew's comment up, John, I'm going to do a quick share screen and shout out a few other, because this is how we have to do it with the Facebook stars. We got a shout out amongst Travis, the legend Gary Leeds Palmer, the legend Travis Tarbox. Thanks to each and every one of you guys. You are helping us inch closer to our ultimate stars goal on Facebook of 500,000 stars, which seems like it's you know way up there in the stratosphere and near unattainable, but we will get there. And once we do, we are giving away a Von Miller jersey. So thanks for chipping in on that, guys. Uh, and then Andrew, he says, what's up, y'all? Hashtag MHH for life. If we don't make the playoffs this year, will there be a rebuild? Which would suck. Seems like we've been rebuilding the last five years, but who would stay? Who would go? So, Zach, I think first we would have to define what is a rebuild. And right. for me, a rebuild is you start over at coach and quarterback. That's like your rebuild. And then you kind of go from there. But what's your answer for Andrew? Well, I mean, there's there's different kind of stages of rebuild. There's like a full-scale rebuild where you have a new GM and a new head coach, kind of what the Broncos could have done this offseason. Then there's, like you said, just a new head coach and quarterback. There's different combinations here. But here's my answer. Remember when Vance was hired and he said it's not a rebuild, it's a reboot? I think they have that backward. I think back then it was a rebuild, and they rebuilt the roster. They've added great draft classes, good free agents, and uh, now it's the reboot. If, even if they don't make the playoffs this year and they fire Vic Fangio, they fire Pat Shermer, they fire Ed Donatel, they clean house on the coaching staff, they would still only be about what would you say, a quarterback away from being in contention? That's all the Broncos are. So if it's not Drew Locke this year, they can plug in maybe an Aaron Rodgers next year, uh, maybe a first-round draft pick next year. I think they're going to be in contention from going forward because of the roster that was laid since Vance Joseph. As to who would stay and who would go, though, I mean, most of the coaching staff, maybe aside from the Bill Collars and the Reggie Herrings and the Mike Munchaks, if they don't make the playoffs, though, everyone should go. It's not a matter of if they should go from the head coach to the quarterback on down. I think the only coaches you could conceivably expect to be invited to stick, indeed, Munchak and Bill Kalar. If, and, you know, maybe Reggie, as you mentioned, because Reggie did survive uh, three different, no, two coaching changes. So he was on staff with Koob under Wade as the inside linebackers coach, survived the VJ transition, survived the Fangio transition. So maybe they must, someone loves him there in Denver. And he does, I think, a good job as well. But yeah, I'm with you. So the coaching staff, Gonzo, you know, in, in the main. And then you're you're probably, if you're really rebuilding, you're probably dumping some of the older big salary guys like Vaughn, unfortunately, if it's a true rebuild, right? You, you can get into the gray area and the weeds in terms of defining different gradations of, of a rebuild, but let's just hope, Andrew, we don't come to that. 
Um, here's Dante. What's up, Dante? Good to see you, my friend, on Super Chat on YouTube. Appreciate you, bro. He says, love the podcast, guys. I listen to it every day before work, but I can't make it live tonight. Wishing you guys a great July and go Broncos. Hashtag Denver Broncos for life. Hashtag goats. Hey, dude, that's very sweet, Dante. We appreciate you, bro. I hope you're having a great July. I hope you had a great fourth, Dante, and the rest of your month goes swimmingly. I hope to see you around here on the next podcast. All right, let me see what else we got in the chat tonight. There's Travis. Appreciate you, my friend. He says, hello, my football priests. Unfortunately, I won't be at the September 26th meetup at the stadium, but my better half and I are going to the Ravens game. I was curious if there was a rule about sending you guys some swag from my company. It's called Nighthawk Customs. We have shirts and T-shirts if it's okay. What do you guys prefer? But I'm always, uh, by the way, I'm always Denver Broncos for life. Yeah, dude, shoot us a, shoot us an email at milehighhuddle at gmail.com. We'll happily give you our, our deets, and we'd love to see some of that swag. You maybe give the Nighthawk Customs a little boost, yep. if, you know, what, what we can do. So I was going to say, I would rock the hell out of one of those T-shirts for you, Travis. Yeah, sure. let's see it. Let's see it. Shoot us an email, my dog. Um. Chris, the doctor, the PhD in the hizzy. Good to see you, Chris. Appreciate the support as always. It says, Drew Locke rolling through near my neck of the woods. Glad he's okay. So it turns out there's two good things about Kansas, Carl Dummler <laughs> and the doc. Yeah, apparently I, I forgot about, I think Dave Glassman, isn't he in Kansas as well? I think he made a comment. I, maybe it wasn't Dave, but someone else said also, you know, I'm from there. I don't mean to offend any Can- Kansans. Is that the right I think it is Kansans. Kansans. So, I mean, it was just a joke, guys. I was more or less making a joke about the Chiefs, but the 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 point here is that we're okay, that Drew Locke is okay. The weirdest one to me is Michiganders. I'm like, where did that how, – how did you get there? Like, Weird. what depths of the English language are you plumbing to justify Michiganders? <laughs> anyway, Diamond Rattler says, the MHH Wednesday wallpapers have been dope. Keep them coming. Yes, I'm glad to hear that you're you're digging that. Um, it's we're going to keep it rolling. We got a great uh, design guy that's been working with us for three four months and doing some good stuff, including the backdrop you guys see on the screen behind you and a few other things. So some t-shirt designs, some different stuff. Glad to hear that. He'll be stoked too to hear that feedback. So thanks, Diamond. Um, all right, let me see here. We grabbed Andrew. We got the, we got Zeus. We got another Mount Rushmore yeah. superstar in the hizzy tonight. Brian Greenfield. What's up, bro? He says, I've been busy, but I can't wait for some football. Well, Zach, what are we? So 21 days? Wait. Yep. Yeah, 21, 21 days. So three exactly weeks. three weeks from today. Yep. So that'll be – guys, enjoy your summers. Keep coming back to us on, on the weekday nights. We'll be here for you. I mean, we're here seven – Mile High Huddle's here for you, of course, seven nights a week. But keep coming back to your football priest. We'll get through this together. But I'm telling you, enjoy your summer. And that three weeks is going to be here before you know it. Then the preseason gets here, and it's like we're off to the races. We're going to be on here saying, guys, I can't believe the regular season is here right around the corner. It goes so fast. And it seemed like the offseason, maybe it's just me, it went extra fast this year because of how slow last year felt with 2020 with the pandemic. It just flew by. We were just in free agency, and then – before that, it was George Payton. Now we're talking about training camp in three weeks. I'm so grateful that football season is right around the corner. I can smell it. This is how you know she's a bona fide Mount Rushmore superstar. Michaela, after chipping Amazing. in to create Amazing. the content, she jumps back into the chat to financially support the content with a very, 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 very generous super chat. So, Michaela, hats off. You know we love you. You know we appreciate you. You ever need anything? you know we're here for you. So thank you. She says, thanks for having me on, guys, and thank you uh, to the fam, to the community, right, for the support. Legendary Hall of Famer, Michaela Parker. Yeah, she's, like you said, Chad, perfect word, a pillar of the community. And, Michaela, you know, we thanked you before going live and just for your support and all the interaction and your super chats. But, again, thank you so much for all you do. And you've definitely earned your title as the Duchess of the podcast. We hope, you you know, you enjoyed being on. We would love to have you on in the future again. So thank you. Absolutely. We will make that happen. And, see, it wasn't as um, painful as, as maybe you initially, way back when, might have worried, right? It was easy. It was fun. We're just talking shop. We're just talking the things that – you know, we all love uh, talking about. So Dave from Georgia, another great superstar. We've had Dave on the show. It's been a minute, but Dave, hope you're doing well, my friend. It's great to see you. 
Thank you for the support. He says, who will be the biggest surprise to make the final 53? And then also the biggest surprise cut. Let them hate and great job, Michaela. Zach, let's parse this one up. You take uh, the biggest surprise to make and I'll take the biggest cut. Uh, I'm still holding firm to one of the UDFA guys making the 53, 55, whatever it is this year. Because of the Broncos' track record of finding those guys, even if it's Himmelman, the lineman, a buyer, the tight end, or um, you know Warren Jackson's among the mix as well. You name one last podcast. I can't uh, remember now, Chad. Mintz, the, rush, the edge rusher. That's right, Mintz. So between one of those few players, I think they have the best chance. I'm going with Bayer because the Broncos' tight end room after Noah Fan and Albert O is bone dry bare. Especially blocking acumen, you know, and right. you can he might be a rookie, but you can at least trust that Iowa, you know, tight end you taught him how to – at least the basic mechanics and technical, you know, uh, components to, to blocking. So that's not a bad call. I would say the biggest surprise cut. I don't know that there's going to be a huge surprise surprise, but you know, you want to say it, Chad. Well, I mean, Royce Freeman jumps to mind for me. Mm -hmm. I know you want me to say Melvin Gordon, I do, but I don't think he's getting cut. I think there, if if the question was surprise trade, I'd be more amenable, but I, I don't see George Payton, eating four and a half million bucks for for nothing i was just trying to goad you into saying that yeah i can't see uh melvin gordon getting cut i can see him getting traded like you said uh freeman's a good name there uh would it be crazy crazy if kareem jackson got cut at final cuts i mean they left off tj ward in 2017 to go for a younger player maybe if jamar johnson and caden stearns have excellent training camps and preseasons you never know i think freeman though is the most realistic surprise cut out of the bunch I would also say one last Michael person. I, I don't know. No, I really don't see that. Just I think he, names out there now. I think he and F- Fangio and Donatel, I think, have a thing for Michael O. I'm, I was going to say, and it pains me to say this, and I'm not predicting this. Don't twist this. Mike Purcell is a low-key mm. monitor. Why? Well, he scrapped and fought his way through the NFL bouncing around practice squads to active roster to getting cut. Like he had one of those type of trajectories, finally carves himself out a role in the right situation. Stars align. Everything's going good, gets paid. And then Liz Frank, if he comes back healthy and there's not a setback, there's no issue with his play. He, he bounces right back to form. Then it's a non-issue. But if either of those two things are in effect, I think it could, complicate the issue and even though the Broncos would eat a little dead money which I did research there's an article guys you, you can go find a milehuddle.com five potential surprise cuts I don't see it as likely again I got to stipulate that but it's one to monitor because another factor to this is you got McTelvin Ajim pushing Deshaun Williams uh, emerged last year plus you signed Shamar Steven and there's a couple of other guys like futures type guys that have been signed over the last six months that you know, if he doesn't turn back to form perfectly, Zach, I could see it happening, though I would rue it. I hope it doesn't happen. You're going to fill in just fine on KK on Sunday with those hot takes, Chad. <laughs> I hope not, though. Seriously, I'm a big fan of Mike Purcell for what it's worth. I think he's he's a stud. Uh, all right, let me see here where we're at. Um, fresh off the Starship <laughs> Enterprise is Zebulon Omega, Kevin Lynn, one of our great, 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 Facebook superstars says, I'm not sure why I didn't get the live notification until super late, but I'm here now. What's up? Yeah, I don't know, man. Some of these uh, social media platforms, who knows how the algo bots, you know, think. Better we late than know. never, though, for sure. And remember the commercial chat was uh, the Budweiser commercial. Yeah, oh, That's yeah, what oh, I, just, yeah. Yeah, I think of uh, I think of. Uh, yes, I remember those, obviously, the commercials, but I think of that scary movie spoof. <laughs> <laughs> what they're doing the scream you know spoof at the yes. beginning of the movie and all that anyway simpler um, times simpler times indeed when you could make jokes and not get canceled right <laughs> um okay let me see here claude what's up good to see you buddy eugene carillo is it carillo or carillo Car- carillo carillo good to see you brother hi guys great show do y'all remember watching raheem moore just miss a deep ball from joe flacco for a touchdown not even sure what year 2012 I think it was the AFC Championship, close, division round. Still haunts my – technically it was in the year 2013, but it's the season of 2012. Still haunts my dreams, LOL, go Broncos. Yeah, that was tough, you know, but I would be remiss to not also, you know, uh, 
stripe Tony Carter for his role in that. Remember Sticky Man, who was Jack Del Rio's little slot guy that uh, he loved. I mean, he wasn't just a slot guy. He played a lot. Of, in fact, most of his snaps, if I can recall, were on the outside. But if you go back and watch the All-22 of that particular play, Tony Carter shares his own fair amount of the complicity for that mile-high tragedy because the Broncos were cruising to the AFC title game. You know, that was on the heels of 11 straight wins. 11 straight, Ravens come in, pop them, surprise them in a very cold game. John Fox then, after that touchdown, Zach, makes a most bizarre decision with time left and a future Hall of Fame quarterback champing at the bit, ready to go. He kneels on the ball with what well, he had at least one timeout, too. I think it was like, I don't know, might have been just under a minute, but a field goal would have got you the margin. Why aren't you taking that chance? His explanation after the fact, his rationale, Zach, was, oh, you know, we were stunned and I felt like the team had gone into a shell and I didn't want to pour uh, fuel on that fire. I thought, let's just regroup, take it into overtime. It's like, dude, you play to win right. the game. Yeah, we've said it too often in recent years, which is unfortunate, is that when you coach to lose, you know, when you coach not to lose, you often lose. I remember, though, Chad, being at the gym during that game and during that moment, I was on the elliptical, and every elliptical has their own little TVs on there. And I remember when that play happened, everyone was just losing their minds inside of the gym because of how do you let that happen? How do you let the ball go over you? You have one job in that moment. Even if you tackle the guy and and draw a PI flag better than a touchdown, it is still surreal to me and mind-blowing how bad Raheem Moore and Tony Carter, to your point, botched that play. Shout out, Michael. Good to see you, buddy. Thanks for being with us. Every single night, you're a top fan. We love you. Andrew Morrow jumping in. Good to see you, bro. Thank you for that very generous support. He says, Michaela, um, cool that y'all have guests on. So he's, he's giving props to Michaela. Uh, don't uh, don't know of any podcast that does that. Oh, and I vote to get Carl and Nick on some more too. Your shows complement each other quite well. Hashtag Rogers Wish Fund. Well, yeah, we're always – we got a thing we're planning here very soon, Andrew. You've heard us probably talk about it on this podcast. But very, very soon we're rolling out – our YouTube membership offering. And part of the YouTube membership is going to include, obviously, some additional content that you can get access to on YouTube by supporting and joining the channel. Um, and so, yeah, we got some great ideas in the wind. Obviously, Nick, we, we started him on Broncos for Breakfast with Scott. Carl is a very busy man with the things he's got going on in his life right now, not only with his um, wife and daughter, but he's fixing, as you probably know, to uh, adopt two two new boys as well. So we'll see down the road. But, yeah, we love building the Broncos, of course. They do a great job. You know what we love more, though, is breaking glass ceilings. That's what we're doing in the podcast world, in the Broncos world, in the sports media realm. Like I saw John do it. I saw him with the animation just breaking through the ceiling. So we appreciate, Andrew, you noticing that, and we love having you guys on to give back to you for all you do for us. That's genuine. Once again, I've, I'm reminded of a movie anecdote when you say breaking through ceilings, and I'm thinking of 22 Jump Street, or was it 21? I think it was 22. I think it was the sequel. Funny, funny movies. All right, guys, we are at 47 minutes, um, and we got a dip here very, very soon. So let's grab Sean. What up, dude? Good to see you. Thanks for the support. He says, uh, hope everyone is well. Go Broncos. Yeah, uh, we're doing good. We can't complain one whit. But, you know, Zach, as I think about this now, it is kind of weird for a podcast of any sort to bring on their fans, their community onto the show, right? I don't know. Now that I think about it, I think he's right. I don't I don't know that anyone else has done that or does that. I mean, you do get call-ins on the radio, right? People can, on certain segments, they'll take calls, and but you got to go through a screening and all this stuff, and it's actually quite randomized. This really isn't randomized. It's our biggest supporters. Eventually, we'll invite them onto the show. I'm just glad to hear, Zach, that people like it, you know, that they appreciate it, not just appreciate it, but that they like the content. So that's good to hear. We try to be all inclusive and uh, we try to give back genuinely to you guys, giving you guys a platform to come on and tell your Bronco story, interact with us. I mean, it's the least we can do. But yeah, I don't see other podcasts doing that. And there's a reason why people, you know, respond to our podcast. So there's a reason why uh, we have the numbers that we do in certain areas, Chad. And you know what? Ball don't lie. Never does, never will. Yeah. We're very, very lucky, very blessed. And also in terms of being lucky, 
like we can sit here and talk like we're some kind of, um, you know, podcast um, mad scientists trying to come up with the next creative thing. But we've lucked into a lot of the ideas we've had and the things we've done. We've just kind of bumbled and stumbled our way through it. And it's just so far the universe is in the football gods, right? They're looking out for us too. So uh, Don wants to know, Chad, wasn't your new studio supposed to be up and running? You know, is there a tour? Listen, here's where it's at. And then uh, we'll move on real quick. The studio is built. It's done. I just recently had the AC heater unit uh, installed, but then there was a hiccup because we ended up having to run new electrical to this. All right. And then that caused some delays. And then now I'm going through the process of making sure everything that's going to go in that bad boy is going to be covered under my insurance policy. And you got to go through some red tape and different things for that. But literally Sunday night show, I fully anticipate and expect to be streaming from there. So you guys will get to see it. And yes, I have been taking some, uh, you know, creating some videos and some content around that. Once it's done, I'll show you some befores and afters and give you guys some uh, inside looks at that stuff. So it'll be soon. Next week or so, you'll start seeing some of that. John, do we have any more? And by the way, Travis, email us and we can talk about shirt sizes and all that, buddy. Mile High Huddle at Gmail. Shoot us an email. Uh, I think we are good to go, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, BNS is requesting another pod with Christy, Pobby, or Michaela with John and call it Beauty <laughs> and the Beast. I'll moderate. That's funny. Good idea. Good idea. We'll see. Um, also jumping in at the 11th hour is Dave. Dave from Georgia with a very, very generous second super chat. Love you, bro. Appreciate you. Hashtag. Best Broncos pod. Great job, priests and beast. Thank, Thank you, you my friend. And thanks to all of you guys. Seriously, hats yeah. off to, to the men and women in our community. We appreciate each and every one of you. Um, but, Zach, I got something going on tonight that I got a studio related. Okay. Uh, so we got to dip on out of here. And I know you're going on a little mini vacay, a little getaway yeah. to recharge. So enjoy your time off, my friend. And uh, we'll see, Zach, what is it, Monday night you'll be back on? Monday, back in the saddle, guys. So you guys can enjoy life without me for two podcasts. All right. So with that, sign us <laughs> off, dude. Sign us off for the week if, for, for Zach. Zach's signing yeah. us off for the week. But I'll, I'll be back tomorrow night with John. Uh, we appreciate you guys uh, all week. We appreciate you guys always. Thank you to the, Michaela for coming on here and all your continued support, Michaela. You are truly incredible. Be sure, guys, if you haven't already, to follow the podcast on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. Follow the mother account at Mile High Huddle. You can follow Chad on Twitter, as you can see, at Chad and Jensen. You can follow myself at Kelberman NFL. You can follow our producer, John K, at John K MHH on Twitter. Please go to facebook.com slash milehighhuddlepod. Like the page, follow the page. Also, while you're there, facebook.com slash milehighhuddle. Big blue button, become a supporter of VIP content. Chad, again, will be filling in this Sunday on KK with Kim Becker. Uh, we have Broncos Book Club, Trickle Zone, great content, more coming soon. If you haven't already, too, huddleuppod.com and get your swag, get yourself a shirt, hat, etc., etc. But please, guys, three things I beg of you to do for us and for the entire brand and podcast. Subscribe, like, and share. It helps us grow more than you know, more than we can tell you, and it's the number one thing we ask you. Please, takes two seconds. We appreciate you. Again, guys, we are off, though. I am off anyway. I feel like it's Thursday, Chad. I'm signing off for the week. I will see you guys Monday. Chad and John back on tomorrow. Huddle Up Podcast. Take care. And as always, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.